thousands of these letters every year. I have further exhibits, Your Honor, but I hesitate to produce them. Oh, I'm sure we'll be very happy to see them. Uh, yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, produce them, Mr. Gailey. Uh, put them here on my desk. <laughs> but, Your Honor... Put I... them here on the desk. Put them... Yes, Your Honor. these letters is addressed to Santa Claus. The post office has delivered them. Therefore, the post office department, a branch of the federal government, recognizes this man, Chris Kringle, to be the one and only Santa Claus. Uh, since the United States government declares this man to be Santa Claus, this court will not dispute it. Case dismissed. I've got to get that football helmet. Thank you so much, Your Honor. And a very Merry Christmas to you. Thank you, Mr. Kringle. And the same to you. Thank you. Well, 70 years ago, that movie came out. And for you students uh, that are here this morning and children, um, that's called a black and white film. Um, that isn't just some cool effect. That was what was real. Um, but that's Miracle on 34th Street. Many of us are familiar with that. Mr. Payne, the lawyer against the New York judicial system and the Macy's store who didn't obviously believe that Mr. Chris Kringle was actually Santa Claus. And so as we think about that courtroom this morning, in our world today, I, I want you to know that Jesus is on trial. You have God's testimony against man's testimony in the courtroom of life. And Christmas is God's witness to the world about his son Jesus, who he is and what that means for us personally. And to, this morning, I'd like for you to turn to the letter of First John. We've been there this Advent season. And I want you to turn to 1 John. 1 John is toward the end of the New Testament. And so if you find Revelation, you can go back uh, to your left and find the letter of 1 John. You've got 1 John, 2 John, and even 3 John. But we're going to be in 1 John chapter 5, verse 5. As we look at this text, I want you to think about life as a courtroom. You have the testimony of God versus the testimony of man. Let me read our text this morning, and then we'll see how Jesus is on trial and the witnesses that God has provided. 
Verse 5 in chapter 5 of 1 John, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. The one who believes in the son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. And he who has the Son has the life. And he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. This morning, John, the author of 1 John, was used by God to write this letter that we may believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God. As Miss Robin said earlier, that Jesus has dwelt in heaven, the perfect of heaven, and that he has come down to dwell among us, and he has taken on flesh, and he is both God and man, the Son of God. And so this morning, what we find is God, through the writing of John, will give three witnesses, and he brings them, if you would, to the stand to testify who the Son of God is. And so in the courtroom of law this morning, here's what God does. He brings forth three witnesses, and who are they? If you look at verse 6, or excuse me, verse 5, he just said, who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? And so that's what is on trial. Is Jesus the Son of God? Do you believe that this morning? And the three witnesses that he brings forth in verse 6 is this. This is the one who came by water, the one who came by blood. Jesus Christ, not only with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. And so what are the three witnesses? First, it's water, blood, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so what does that mean? Well, there's a lot of debate over these few verses of what John specifically meant. Many different thoughts over many different centuries of what the writer was referring to. But I believe this morning the idea of the water and the blood carries two specific thoughts. The first, with the water, it seems to refer to Jesus' baptism. If you go back to the gospel writings, the writers of the gospel, especially Mark, referred to the baptism of Jesus like this. In Mark chapter 1, verse 10 through 11, it says, Immediately Jesus, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens and said this, You are my beloved Son. In you I am well pleased. You see, Jesus' baptism was the witness of God the Father that Jesus was sent by him and empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was the testimony of who Jesus was by God and also the Spirit on that day. As God declares from heaven, this is my Son, who I am well pleased with. 
So this morning as we think about the testimony of God, what God was saying is that this one who's being baptized is the very one who came from heaven and dwelt here, conceived by the Holy Spirit in the womb of Mary. Mary gave birth to him as we read earlier in Luke chapter 2 in Bethlehem and he would grow to begin his ministry and they're baptized on that day as the Holy Spirit fell upon him, the Son of God, to live out the mission of God. The first witness was water. The second witness was blood, and most commonly referred to as the death of Jesus Christ. And so John uses that as part of God's witness to us to speak of who Jesus is, specifically in his death. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, that in Jesus we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. You see, Jesus' death was not just any death, just like his conception was like, unlike any other. His death had great meaning. He died on the cross. Sure, many died on a cross, but his death on a cross meant something unlike any other. His death was to redeem lost sinners through the shedding of his blood. He was this perfect, spotless sacrifice who bore our sin, took the punishment for our sin on the cross so that the wrath of God would not fall on us, but instead fell on him. He who knew no sin, the Bible tells us, became sin on our behalf so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. And we know, though, he did not stay dead, but on the third day he rose again to life. And so John speaks of God's testimony to us, his witness to us of the death of Christ through his blood and what it meant. And so the third testimony that he brings to the courtroom is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the next witness of God that brings forth uh, to us a testimony of who Jesus is. In John 15, verse 26, here's what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. When the Helper comes, the Holy Spirit, whom I will send to you from the Father, that is the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify, Jesus says, about me. So what is John saying here? Well, I think he's saying that the Holy Spirit seals in our hearts the testimony of the water and the blood. The baptism of Jesus, who he is, declared by God on that day at his baptism, affirmed by the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then his blood, a testimony of who he is and why he came to die for us, and his resurrection, that he rose again, proving that he truly is God, having power over death. And the Spirit comes to seal that out and confirm that ultimately in the hearts of those who believe. And look at verse 7 as he continues here through verse 8. He says, for there are three that testify. The spirit and the water and the blood and the three are all in agreement. What John is saying here is God testifies to us to, through these specific events and important elements when it comes to Jesus being the son of God. These claims are all in agreement. They all say the same thing, that he is the son of God who came from heaven, took on flesh, and dwelt among us. I remember when I was a, a junior in high school, I was up on Trinity Mills at the time. Right now, 
It's actually George Bush. But back then, I was at the light of Trinity Mills and, and Josie. And I remember I was turning left in my Jeep, and I was waiting for cars to come, and I was out in the intersection, and the light had turned red. So I had to wait and clear the intersection. And I remember all of a sudden that this car came flying through and ran the red light and just knocked me silly back up toward Trinity Mills, spinning in that Jeep. And I remember that night. It was a crazy night. I remember going to the hospital. And, but I never knew everything else that was going around me, on around me that night. You see, there was witnesses to what had happened, many witnesses. And I remember riding in the ambulance. What was crazy about this is the people that hit me, um, they were also in the ambulance with me, which was very interesting. Uh, I don't know if they do that anymore. Um, I remember laying there and just, just hearing their story of what had happened. And I thought to myself, wow, that's not what I remember it happened. And I thought to myself on the way there, I was like, hey, I, I thought I was in the right of way. I thought they ran the red light and just remember that. And so I remember that night when I went home from the hospital and I was talking to my parents and they were like, hey, tell us, tell us what happened. We, we heard different things from the scene and everything, but tell us what happened. And, and I remember telling them, hey, this, this is what happened. They, and they clearly ran the red light. And I said, but they seem to have a different story. And the weeks went on, and, and that story was, was the one that was kind of prevailing. But then all of a sudden, what started, uh, people started stepping up, and it took three witnesses, three key witnesses, who all said, no, 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 they ran the red light. They clearly ran the red light. And I remember how important that was, but I remember the witness of three was huge and that they were all in agreement and all said the same thing. And so here we have from God that very thing, that the baptism of Christ, the death of Christ, and the Holy Spirit all are in agreement and testify in the court of life who Jesus is, that he truly is the Son of God. But that testimony of God is up against another testimony in our world. And look at verse 9 in chapter 5. As John says, if we receive the testimony of men. And so in the courtroom of life, you have the battle going on. Between the testimony of men and the testimony of God. He says, if we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that he has testified concerning his son. And so the question for us is what testimony are we going to receive? Are we going to receive the testimony of men, the words and the thoughts, the philosophies, the beliefs of men about who Jesus, born in Bethlehem, in that manger, conceived of the Holy Spirit, born of Mary? Are we, who are we going to believe about him? The testimony of men or the testimony of of God. Now, John, as he was writing, he was opposing many in his day who believed that Jesus was not the Son of God. They held this belief that he merely was a man who was born just like you and I, conceived just like you and I, but at his baptism was given the Spirit of Christ. And then eventually, before his death, the Spirit of Christ left him meaning that his death had no significance. And so it's very interesting that John chooses water and blood here to bring to light these two significant occurrences of his life and what they meant, that he truly is the Son of God. 
But there are many who oppose that, many who don't believe that, that he was just a, a good man. And there's many beliefs about Jesus. The interesting thing is if he is not the Christ, the Messiah, then guess what? He has no claim on my life. And many don't want to have anything to do with him because of that. Often the story and the witness of others that we hear is this, and sometimes maybe we've even been there before, and we maybe even struggle with this. Some will say, I can handle life on my own. I'll just live the best life that I can and be as good as I can. Some hold to that. Second, some will say, why would Jesus come for me? Why, why would God do that for me? I'm, I'm nobody. He wouldn't do that for me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't care for me. And some that go through tough times, maybe losing a loved one or going through a tragic experience, sometimes will come to that thought process of saying, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. Look what he allowed to happen. Third, some will say, fine, fine, I, okay, I'll, I'll agree with that, but I'm not going to do anything foolish for him, like follow him or live for him. I won't do that. But here's what John says. We have many thoughts, witnesses of what man says, but he says the testimony of God is greater. See, God the Father is behind the witnesses as the three of them, the water, the blood, and the spirit, and they form this divine testimony of who Jesus is. And God's testimony, John declares, is greater. It's greater. And so the question is, which are we receiving today? To believe the testimony of man or the testimony of God? But believing in the testimony of God carries with it great significance, great value. What is that? And this morning, as we close, I want us to think through that. Look at verse 10 through 12 and listen to how John brings this conclusion of this idea of the testimony of God. He says in verse 10, the one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made God to be a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning his son Jesus. And the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And he who has the son has the life. And he who does not have the son of God does not have the life. And so what does John say? John says receiving leads to what? Believing. You see, receiving the testimony of God leads to believing. As your heart says yes to what God is saying about Jesus, that he truly is God who came in the flesh to dwell among us and to offer to me true salvation through his redeeming work on the cross, through his blood, overcoming death, through his resurrection. And when you believe that, he says here, the testimony is in you. It's in you. It's in your heart. On the other side, if you do not believe it, what he says is you're calling God a liar. And that what he says about Jesus is not true. That it's not true. John says here to those, though, who believe this testimony that God has given, God gives to them what? Eternal life. And eternal life is not some prize that we earn. 
or being good. But eternal life is this undeserved gift that is found in Jesus, given by God. And when one believes and trusts in God, they are given that freely. Yes, it includes the future, but John has in mind here also the present. That is something that you can have now. And God's testimony about who Jesus is is the way to have life, is the way to have eternal life. And I want you to hear that this morning because that is what Christmas really is all about. It's about God's testimony to the world to say, this is how you can have real meaningful life. This is how you can have eternal life. It's through my son, my gift to you. Listen to what he says, and I I want you to carry this thought with you as you celebrate today, tomorrow. And I pray it's something that truly impacts your life. But listen to what he says here. It says, he who has the Son has the life. Do you have the Son? Do you have Jesus? It's an interesting little phrase. What does that mean to have the Son? Because John uses these words like receiving and and believing. To believe in the Son of God, John is saying, is to have the Son of God. And so what does that really mean? I want you to think about it like this. Because when you have something, it does its thing for you. Does that make sense? When you have something, it does its thing for you. So think about this this morning. If you have a dollar in your pocket, all right, that, that dollar... It's going to do its thing for you, right? It's not going to do a lot today, right? <laughs> but it does its thing for you. This morning, if you're in here and you have a runny nose, which some of us do, right? We don't want to tell anybody, but some of us do. <laughs> you, ha- you have a cold, and what, what does that cold do? Well, it does its thing for you. It causes your nose to run. And when you think in light of what we talked about and the movie we saw If you have a lawyer, right, what does a lawyer do? He does his thing for you, right? So the idea is this. If you have Jesus, right, he does his thing for you. And what is his thing that he does for us? Freely, we don't don't deserve it. Out of his love, he gives us life. He gives us life. He who has the Son has life. He'll stand for you. He'll stand for you. And he'll be there for you. Through the tough and through the ups and through the downs, through the good and the bad of life, he's there for you. And ultimately, what he did for you was to give you eternal life, to take the price, God's wrath, The penalty and the punishment of hell. He bore that for you. So we have two testimonies. The one of men. The one of God's. We're the jury this morning. What will we believe? What will the verdict be? Because the verdict is a matter of life. Eternal life. Death. Eternal death. That's the matter of the verdict. 
Believe in Jesus this morning. He will act for you. He will give you life and you will overcome the world because he has. He's overcome evil in the world for you so that you could have life. Let's pray.